So we had, anyway. we watched we watched some movies. We did. I I realized my list got kind of long, but there's a lot of kind of chaff on there. Um, sure did. <laughs> so yeah, so I know based on our messaging in the last day or so that we have both seen Zola, Tomorrow War, and No Sudden Move at least. Yes, and I also watched Censor last night. And you watched Censor. Okay, good. That's good. So why don't we... Double feature last night. Very nice. I can very quickly... I I think we should... I'm still going to stick this in your ear and say Riders of Justice is a very interesting movie, and I'd love to talk about it eventually. I will watch that. I will watch it. Nothing else is really worth it. Although, I would say if it... I know you're not... You haven't been interested in the sparks brothers if it becomes easy to see if it's just sitting there on a streaming service i would recommend it it's so I would interesting never, i will never watch it <laughs> really yeah okay. i have no idea what it's about but just like i just know i'll never watch it not ever. it's a band called sparks and they're oh, so interesting and you I lost me already a pop duo a la they they were inspirational to the pet shop boys and duran duran and erasure and I had never heard of them. And here's this very interesting creative documentary all about their weird career. And uh, I can't stop listening to their music. Well, good. I want to hear all about it from you. <laughs> that was it. That's the whole. Oh, right that's there. the plug right yep. there. <laughs> that's it. I'm not going to be obnoxious about it, but uh, it's worth a look. Um, the other thing is Black Widow. What's the what's the point? If you're no one's yeah. going to hop on to Marvel Universe on this one. It's not bad. It's a pretty good one, actually. I find it kind of increasingly hard to care. They are going to start a big new phase of Marvel movies, I guess, next year with the Eternals. So maybe it'll get interesting again. But this just felt kind of like, you know, a throwback to Marvel movies. Nice to see Scarlett Johansson, I guess, get a uh, starring turn. Rachel Weisz, David Harbour. uh, I think Scarlett Johansson's going to be okay. Oh, and Florence Pugh kind of being set up as a new as maybe her replacement because even though you say she's going to be okay this is a prequel about her character who is actually dead within oh. the universe the marvel universe and this movie does not hint at her comeback it seems to be positioning florence Pugh to uh kind of take her spot so that's well, interesting. people are talking about the florence Pugh renaissance on twitter and i'm kind of with the haters on that like did florence Pugh ever go away no, and did I would she have, ever have a she ever have a ago dip was, in her career. Right. Yeah, she's always amazing. And I felt like she popped onto my scene like all at once with like five things. And that I would have called that the well, not the Renaissance, but the uh the advent. You should see fighting with my family sometime. I should. <laughs> it's good. It's actually good. It's actually good. But uh it's no happy together. No, together, together. I can't even remember the movie that I. No, together, was together. It. No, last weekend, or was that <laughs> right. what that one was? L- lost weekend. Lost, lost weekend. weekend. Yeah, yeah. They're both. Those are both bad, though. That was why I, I wanted to talk about them, because they're very specific kinds of bad. Anyway, no, together, together is not bad. It's interesting. Lost weekend is bad. Anyway, who cares? Uh, the three. So we got four movies mm-hmm. that we have both seen. Uh, here's the thing. I would. I'll talk about for my sins. I'll take Tomorrow War. Okay. And censor, and you do the other two. I don't know. Sure. Okay. Who's gonna start? That means I am. <laughs> no, it does With... not. You can say you. You could say Josh start. Zola, stylized at Zola, yes. is a 2020 American comedy film based on a viral Twitter thread. <laughs> 
of course. By Azia Zola King or Azia Apologies. Let me tell you, I remember this thread. I did not go into the movie, you know, knowing anything about what it was about. But after I read that, you know, in the opening cards, it says this was a thread. Mm-hmm. This started coming back to me of remembering people going nuts about this thread. And I would encourage anyone who has not seen this to go see it uh, as cold as you can, because I think that that's the most fun. All right. So um, this is directed by Janisa Bravo from a screenplay by Bravo and Jeremy O. Harris. And it stars Taylor Page as Zola, who is a part-time exotic dancer. And she meets this new friend played by Riley. Do you know how to say Riley's last name? Keo, right? Keo, I think. I think it's Riley Keo. And Riley kind of love bombs her and charms her and has hatches this plot that they're going to go with these guys to Tampa to dance one weekend to earn some extra money. But all is not well. There are a lot of uh, seedy happenings going on. Clearly, this man that they're with means to make them both sex workers and the situation becomes quite dangerous, but also hilarious throughout. <laughs> and you're watching just this waking nightmare unravel. And it is one of the best times I've had in the movies lately. Um, how did you receive Zola? Yeah, very similarly. Uh, just couldn't, like, you can't believe what you're seeing the whole time. And it's crazy and it's manic and it has that, it kind of has like, it has that the chaos and the Florida ness of like yes. uh, Harmony Corinne, but then it has the 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 plot chaos and the suspense and the uh, edge of your seat of like a Pulp Fiction, like the first time seeing Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. It took me to that kind of a place, but also just very specific to these people and their lives and this Twitter thread voice. And uh, yeah, it's such a creative, weird movie. Um, I just want to point out too that if you told me that a movie starred Taylor Page and Riley Keough, I would not imagine just based on the sound of those names. <laughs> right. This is not the movie I would imagine. Uh, yeah, I thought it was crazy and fun and insane. The char- the the um, the characterization, the 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 pace of it, the boyfriend character is hilarious. Yeah, we got uh, Nicholas Braun playing the boyfriend, Coleman Domingo as the uh, is pimp still a good word to use? I think because um, you could be derogatory about him, maybe right. perhaps. Yeah, he was genuinely uh, seemed like a cool guy, and then all of a sudden became a horrifying, menacing monster. And Zola just sort of goes along with it, almost as if she, you know, wants to see what's going to happen. Right. Though, of course, she's also being uh, being forced into the situation. And the fascinating thing about this is they. They wrote an article, some person wrote an article about the Twitter thread and reached out and did their research. And besides some minor embellishments, everyone involved in the thread basically says that this is what happened. Mm-hmm. This, this wild story is what happened. It wasn't, you know, some of the details, I guess, are embellished, but yeah. it's mostly what happened. And that is wild. Yeah. This is such a wild story. It's insane. And the movie manages to to feel authentic in taking you on this crazy ride mm-hmm. it's trashy and it's crazy and it's over the top and yet 
and it, and it always feels sort of like someone t- telling you a yarn. It right. doesn't necessarily feel like it's necessarily true, but you it I don't know, it has a perspective to it. And it, it maintains her voice from the threads so well. Yeah. I, I feel like the the charm and the storyteller that she is that captivated everybody that people are just right. waiting for the next tweets to hit because they, they just want to know what happens next. Taylor Page is amazing. She is yes. so compelling uh, in this role. She's if, on a tightrope. Yeah. That she has to be believable in going along with it and that she continues to be funny and she continues to be defiant in a lot of ways in dangerous situations. Right. She stands up for herself in places where I think other people with less constitution or courage or whatever or yeah. less uh, survival instinct, yeah. I don't know, um, would comply with the people mm-hmm. who are trying to make them do anything. She doesn't seem bothered. Um, she, right. she lives her life on a different kind of a wavelength. Um, and I love the the sequence when the other woman's uh, vantage point is considered based right, on the Reddit, yeah. the Reddit mm-hmm. post that she made, and it's clearly so disingenuous. Right. Oh, it was great. The the, co- the like color, the local color of the movie. That's mm-hmm. again where it reminded me of kind of a harmony, harmony Corinne kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The extra the 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 lesser parts, the extras, the 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 woman's prayer in the strip club. Yes. That was so (laughs) Uh, good. Just random. Yeah. Side characters and side moments and the the vibe in that. uh, There's one scene where the boyfriend character goes to a convenience store Mm -hmm. and it just didn't feel like a movie convenience store. It felt like a Florida convenience store on the side of a highway or something like, yes, that, that, scene i thought was super cinematic yeah. like all of the bottles the wide shots mm-hmm. of them standing there in the middle of this mayhem <laughs> oh th- this is one of those movies that to me was so enjoyable that i could casually walk into the theater and go watch it again and that's yeah. true of very few movies mm-hmm. The you know great ones oh a year later maybe i'll i'll like to watch it again but this is one that oh i'll, yeah. I'll totally go and enjoy my friday night go into a showing of zola it's so funny Jason Mitchell plays Dion, the guy who seems like he's just a dude hanging out at the motel who befriends uh, the boyfriend, Derek, and turns out to have, you know, ulterior motives. He is he was good. Some of the biggest stretches and most interesting things in the movie rest on the performances of of these actors. It's just such a interesting achievement in 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 making a story based on a twitter thread into a compelling movie it's very very uh strange and cool and it works yeah it's it's good very well done um huge huge success to me yeah uh and i it the fact the the phrase based on a twitter thread the imagery that i saw i just didn't imagine that this was a movie for me Mm -hmm. and i'm so glad that i ended up seeing it oh it's plenty of suspense <laughs> uh well from the uh, sublime to the banal with uh, the tomorrow war uh now this is a movie that's on my radar for a weird reason because i am a fan of the doughboys podcast and one of the hosts of doughboys mitch uh, mike mitchell is has a small part he plays the big fat guy the big fat bearded guy who uh is alongside Marilyn rice cub um mm-hmm. okay 
yeah. And anyway, they, uh, yeah. So he's just a dude that I knew about and he said he was in this big movie and they've been counting, have been talking about it for a long time. And he was sad that it didn't get to be a big theatrical release and it had, it gets released straight to Amazon and here it is. And I'm happy for him cause he seems to be having a good time on the junket circuit or whatever, but boy, this movie's not great. <laughs> this is a long movie. And I will say I would have been willing to swallow how stupid this movie is if it was a little more fun. Yeah. It's got a premise that has got to be fun. And there's little moments of fun. There's some actors who are having fun, I guess, JK Simmons and uh, Sam Richardson and some other people. But by and large, I actually found this to be a kind of bummer movie and it just doesn't, I don't know. It feels, it feels very artificial. So anyway, this is the tomorrow war. Mm -hmm. This is about a family man who's drafted to fight in a future war where the fate of humanity relies on his ability to confront the past. All right. Well, that's a sentence. Uh, it's a Chris Pratt alien invasion movie. The twist of it is it is a, a war in the future and soldiers from that war come back 30 years to our present to say that they're running out of soldiers. They can't defeat these aliens. And so he's got, he's one of uh, many people that are drafted into this future war. He has one episode of going into the future and fighting. It does not go well. And he becomes kind of lost in time, runs into a character that is whatever uh played connected, by connected with him connected with him played by um uh, i should know her name she's from handmaid's tale what is that actress's name ivan strahovski and uh this movie completely wastes betty gilpin as his wife as chris pratt's wife and uh, J.K. Simmons is his father, who is estranged. And there's all sorts of family stuff. And they try to um, to to build an emotional story out of this crazy future invasion. I don't think any of that stuff works. Uh, the aliens, how many CGI aliens are we going to see? These are not the worst ones I've seen, but it's so boring. It's so long. It so like takes itself too seriously in the wrong parts mm -hmm. and maybe too lightly in the wrong parts. I don't know. Uh, I thought that this movie was a chore to make it through. And I like a lot of the people in it. I thought it could have been fun and it was not. I've, from your the noises you've been making, I take it you agree, Dan. What? Yeah, I do agree. <laughs> I compare this, say, to, I've already forgotten the title, but the Las Vegas zombie movie that mm -hmm. was a forgettable plot and title Day. even. Yeah, but a ton of fun. Yeah. And this movie is so dreary. It isn't fun at all. Not to me. Yeah. And I chose it among the list of the things that <laughs> you had watched based entirely on Betty Gilpin in the, oh boy. In the cast Whoa list. Woe to you. I know. And she's completely <laughs> wasted, as you say. Yeah. So, I mean, why does Chris Pratt play james daniel dan forrester jr <laughs> and they like make a point of how like he goes by his middle name right. who cares that has nothing to do with it it's like this complicated naming thing yeah that that's a strange thing for he's me he's ashamed hit on. of his father dan his father's I guess james so. forrester i guess so but it's still james daniel you know yeah I, oh boy and so what I don't like in movies like this, even movies that are sci-fi, they're futuristic, where you suspend disbelief, when, when that happens, you've got to let my imagination leap up. You've got to get me to want to go there with you. If I'm sitting there incredulous, asking questions of the screenplay from the beginning, that's not what you want in a movie like this. And that's what I was constantly doing. 
Yeah. Like the opening moments is when he's falling. He's, you know, falling through time. We come to learn, but we didn't know that at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Falling, 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 falling. And like this, the city is being destroyed. He happens to plunge into a rooftop pool. Everybody right. else around him, they hit the building. They hit the ground, went into the fire. That would be credits rolled if he didn't buy in an unbelievable coincidence. Yeah. Hit this pool. Right. And then everybody is wired up together to hear and it isn't just chaos on the microphone they're having coherent conversations with people they've never met before giving them instructions this doesn't happen and so they get this army of people from the present they arm them they say we're going to shoot you into the future just start shooting real good because you're going to be faced with you don't want to know and i was like why didn't you if you have this technology to bring people through time just create a a barrage of weapons that shoots that you send through time why do you need actual people to do it and is it it's implied that there's they say this is going to be harder than any basic training ever there's no they either skip past it or it's implied but these really seem to be people plucked out of their daily lives and thrown through time right and thrown through time with a weapon just say hey just start shooting on the other end of time and why and i think about america today and if this happened if somehow people from the future came and said hey in 50 years there's like this alien invasion we need to take you through time everyone would like shrug to be mm-hmm. like Ugh, no i don't think so somewhere not doing that they're the idea that right. the world's governments got together to send people like why not make a satire of that mm-hmm. why not why you know go, go there right, and right. i understand that time travel it doesn't work logically but if you have people go and die in the future that alters the future irrevocably that mm-hmm. a global effort has been and you know only 30 percent of people survive that means most of the people from the future had no genesis mm-hmm. what what yeah before you get to the machinations of the time travel story and everything, I'm immediately trying to wrap my brain around just the Chris Pratt's character. Right. He is a scientist who wants that. He's a teacher who wants that big shot to be a scientist. He is also a former soldier. He is also an estranged son. Yes. He is also a loving suburban dad. Those things do not feel like they're all part of the same character. The movie does not know which one of them to really follow through as a thread. He's meanwhile, just Chris Pratt. So he's like compelling on his own, I guess as a performer, but there's nothing going on with his character. And so when we meet him, he, I mean, he's having a bad day, but that whole thing about not getting the job he wants doesn't have much to do with the story. That could have been excised. Right. And that's but, the opening moments of his, of his arc. So you'd right. think that would be the defining thing. Right. So you think because that happened now, he has something to prove. Nope. That has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> and it shows him having a beautiful, comfortable life, a good relationship with his wife. He adores his daughter. They have a lot of friends who are in their house to watch this football game or soccer game, I guess, depending on what continent you're watching it on. And then we come to learn in the future when he's meeting this connection that he had left his wife and abandoned his family. And why did he have a personality bypass? It doesn't seem yeah, like that's he was an on insane track. turn when he the story's already do that at all. Story's already too complicated. And then this emotional kind of like retcon of, oh, well, you left us. What? I forgot about that until you just brought it up because it's yeah. been weeks since I saw this. That is baffling. Yeah. What, and I was... what, it only exists to make complications with that character, that version of that character that he encounters. Right. 
but why? We don't need that. We don't need that at that point in the and story. And then he's trying to save that character in the future. I'm saying there's no right. point right. because this isn't going to happen if you have success. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we haven't even gotten to the monsters yet. So <laughs> being a devotee of Roger Ebert, one of the mm-hmm. things he loves about Jurassic Park is that Spielberg gives us a nice, good, long look at the dinosaurs at the beginning. That's yeah. what we want. But instead, it seems like they're bluffing, like they don't really have a monster. Mm-hmm. And it and because we don't know what we're supposed to be afraid of, they're not even described, there's no dread. Right. Until finally we see these killing machines and whatever. Yeah. It seems like they just have taken over the planet in one way. But, oh, good, they've been here all along, so we don't even need to go to the future to defeat them. That, yeah. that I, didn't even th- I don't even think that's a spoiler. That is just like, yeah, oh, God. That's the third act. That's the big. And then, it, yeah. And so, and then it devolves into the kind of movie, the action third act that I don't, that I can't stand, where it's just like expectation, misdirect, you know, and one up, one up, one up. Like, and it's like, you, you know, they're on track to resolve it, but it has to just up and up. It's, I guess it thinks it's being creative with the way that uh, things escalate. But I found it tedious i was already checked out by that point random one-liners from the the veep guy what's his name yeah sam richardson yeah like who i like he's great i like his the way he is i like him on veep but it's like why did we need this person and then edwin hodge as dorian who is the super serious guy who has like intensity issues or and then the wait i don't have room i don't the main characters don't have enough depth. What are we adding this guy and his issues? It wasn't clear why they needed to go to the future. There were too many characters. Each character had too many dimensions that no one identity could hold. Yeah. Oh, so tiresome. Very messy. And I mean, if you've got Chris Pratt, you've got this cast and you've got this, the concept, like the pitch. How do you get this muck? I guess it's just the writing. I guess you just get a bad script. Right. I mean, because, this is this is summer blockbuster right. pedigree. This could have been 100 minutes. It could have been, you know, tight and silly and fun. Mm-hmm. It could have been like, you know, Fast and the Furious kind of stupidity where it knows what it is and it's giving you a good time. Yeah. Instead, it felt like it wanted to lay some, you know, it wanted to have some stakes and it wanted to really get into your heart. And it, boy, does it fail spectacularly. Yeah, it does. It's bad. I'm, I feel I wish it wasn't, but whatever. I can't lose any sleep over that uh the tomorrow war all right um well no sudden move dan yeah i mean i watched no sudden move i couldn't tell you like quick if i weren't about to read (laughs) down at the plot (laughs) i would have no idea what this movie's about yeah i did watch it uh, so let's find out together what it's about. Okay. It's a 2021 American period crime thriller. Huh. Wow. Um, film directed, photographed, and edited by Steven Soderbergh. And what a cast. It yeah. just keeps on Amazing. going. Don Cheadle, Benicio Del Toro, David Harbour, John Hamm, Amy Simons, Brendan Fraser, Kieran Culkin, Noah Jupe. What is it? <laughs> He's the new, what's his name? The guy who is in everything. Uh, Tremblay. Oh, not Tremblay. <laughs> I mean, I know what you're saying. Yeah. But the other guy. Why can't I think of his name? The teen, he's in everything. Like uh, Lady oh, Bird and... Um, oh, Chalamet. Boy Erased. No, no, not Chalamet. Oh. <laughs> uh, 
um lucas hedges oh hedges yeah 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 sure remember how he was in absolutely everything right and he's been in a lot of soderberg like recently yeah so, uh, he might have craig grant julia fox who we, mm-hmm. we we adore um or i do frankie yes, shaw no, ray liotta bill duke okay so it's the 1950s in detroit turns out and uh there's like mafia stuff happening and yeah. there's a there's a blackmail scheme and there's an accountant and oh this is coming back to me mm-hmm. a family is held hostage but things don't go as planned and there are endless turnabouts and betrayals and i, I can't even describe the plot of this it's so convoluted no it's very dense, and lengthy yeah. very lengthy and in the end, uh, does anybody have a good ending? Anybody happy? Uh, I think I don't want to spoil anything, but I think that um, probably the most sympathetic character actually does walk away. He seems like he has yeah. a bad end, and then he yeah, walks away with what he wants at the end. Yeah, I, I, I did not enjoy this, not in the least. I, I understand maybe it's a really well-made film. It's probably real tight from a writing, directing standpoint. Yeah. I think it's very professional, very um, artistic is the wrong word, but you know, artfully yeah. done. Um, great cast. I just wasn't very compelled or, and I didn't really understand the story. You know, it's Soderbergh and he always applies himself with excellence. It just doesn't always work. Um, and, so complex. You know, he's, he's had some interesting movies lately. Like uh, I, I enjoyed let them talk and uh, he did the laundromat, which I didn't see. People hated that one, but yeah, so it's oh, interesting. That. Oh no. He's, yeah, so he's on an interesting run lately, by the way, talking about what an amazing cast this is. It's also like a runner, uh, a uh, a um an understudy cast because yeah. it was supposed to be Sebastian Stan, Nicholas Cage, John Cena, and George Clooney. Oh, and I'm I'm assuming I don't quite I don't know think which it would roles, have been but... better or worse. No, you swapped out any of the actors. I think the current the cast that they made it with is amazing. Yeah. Uh, so I was unhappy when this movie ended. I felt like like what you just said. The weird thing is that in hindsight, when I see imagery and I hear about it and think about it, I'm more positive towards it because I just like these actors, I think. And I've made it through and I'm not still in the middle of the movie trying to figure out what the hell's going on. And it kind of so this movie seems like it's a it's like a Cohen-y kind of a crime, crime story gone wrong. Cohen-y. cohen brothers I know, but I'm saying like th- their stories are compelling. Well, that, well, that's what I'm saying. Like the setup, it wants to be. It feels like it wants to be that. But I then guess. by the end, it's not even trying to be that anymore. It's no. now a ca- a capitalist story. It's now about. Uh, it's very obtusely about the car industry. It becomes explicit towards the end, but there's little references throughout. There's the plans for there's, there's this document that's like the what's it called the the red herring or the. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing, the, the you know, the uh, Hitchcock thing, the MacGuffin, yeah. is is MacGuffin. turns out to be the plans for the catalytic converter, and so you find out that this isn't really about the, the mob. This is about industry. This is about the car companies trying to suppress this catalytic converter. They can't ever let it come to production. But I feel like that stuff all comes in way too late. It's not a satisfying explanation for everything that's been going on. Uh, the movie is a bit, you know. Uh, up its own butt it just feels like it's you know i don't know it's it's the most interesting thing about it is seeing oh that person oh brendan fraser looks different oh mm-hmm. it's david harbour oh it's them that's the most interesting thing about it and then you just kind of trust that there's something going on that should be intelligible there's endless betrayals as you say 
uh, and turnabouts. And, and yeah, I, I wanted to like it for some weird reason. The further I get from it, the more fondly I remember it, but I was not a happy camper while I was watching. Also, this movie is shot really weird. And I know that's just an artistic decision, mm-hmm. but uh, he's using lenses that, that little lens thing. It creates like this anamorphic, like squishing on the edges of the screen and he uses it a lot. And he'll, and those are fine if you want to create a mood or, or some kind of a feeling, but he'll just like pan across the street in Detroit with this weird lens on. And so everything is all distorted and it kind of feels like there's no point to it. Some but... people really liked that. Yeah. When, when I was reading up on this movie, imagine hearing about this movie again. <laughs> imagine after this like right. ever remembering that no. this movie was even made no like for a whole generation if you had to like really reflect and be like when did you know <laughs> right. you were gay for a whole bunch of people the answer has something to do with brendan fraser yeah and now he's old right that's depressing i read a thing today that uh, readers and critics are concerned about Brendan Fraser's health after his oh. appearance in this film, but it's just for a, he's making another movie apparently uh, mm-hmm. called the whale. And he gained a lot of weight for that movie. I don't know. I, as a person who has put on a pound or two in my life, I don't think people need to be concerned about. Uh, I mean, isn't he just 40 years older than when we first right. saw him? Like, right. So he's a little, he's a little thick. Yeah. He's a little, a little older. Yeah. And a method actor clearly. Yeah. And what was the, he was doing that other film with someone interesting. I forgot who it is. Let's see if I can quickly find that. Josh Brolin was supposed to be in the John Hamm part. Mm-hmm. I like John Hamm in the part. Like John he's Hamm pretty too. good. Uh, he's making a film with Darren Aronofsky. So that at least will be interesting. Oh, and there's going to be a new Paul Schrader this year. Oh, wow. Oh, it's going to be so good. <laughs> Those just get crazier every time. Yes, so I know. So when did Matt Damon become the, Un, uh, uncredited cameo guy because I feel like I see that a lot. I can't actually come up with one other example, it's, but I mean, it feels like a very Soderbergh thing. Jimmy Kimmel, I I don't <laughs> know. I I was like, huh? They seem like they're these these two are old pals, old cronies, and so wow. I looked it up. They are the same age, both fifty. Wow. John Hamm and Matt Damon are the Hamm same and Damon. Age. Oh wow. Yep. Well, there you go. I think matt damon is good and he gives a gravitas to his little part but it's just not enough and it's too little too late but yeah um, i thought he was too young for the part because in my mind yeah. he's always he's always will hunting you know he's always right. tom ripley yeah he's one of those 50 year old perpetually yeah and i was yeah. like no he is 50 that's that's mm-hmm. appropriate yeah uh yeah interesting experiment i you know i don't regret seeing it but i can't say that i loved it and can't, it's not gonna... i can't say i loved it <laughs> we started it. We really started at the peak, and it's just downhill from here, because I'm just going to signal now, since I'm we're really? getting to the end of this, that I didn't love Censor. I didn't hate Censor. Oh. I, probably liked it. I probably liked it better than the last two movies we talked we're about. We're going to Siskel and Ebert this All one. right. Censor um, is a 2021, uh, I don't know, horror, psychological thriller film directed by Prano Bailey Bond, written by Bailey Bond and Anthony Fletcher, and starring, here we go, Niam Alger as Enid Baines, who is a, uh, she's a censor, but this is a specific to the British film industry in the 1980s, when there's a phenomenon of these kind of really trashy videotapes that are circulating known as video nasties, which are just extra gory, exploitative films made to titillate teenagers and, and 
you know, make headlines and uh, annoy the squares. And she is part of this company that is now I didn't quite understand this part of it. I have to be honest. Uh, and you know, that's what you can, you can expect that from me. Everyone uh-huh. as honest as I can. Uh, why are there sensors for what are basically underground tapes that people are trading? That part doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah, there are sensors I... for professionally released studio movies so that they can put a rating on it. Mm-hmm. These movies are illicit. So I don't understand the role of a sensor in that. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know I don't... about that. I'll tell you that I recently encountered this phenomenon because I randomly turned on Evil Speak. Mm. Um, I forget where I saw it, maybe on Shutter or something. And when I was reading up on this, it said, this is one of the notorious video nasties of the UK from the 80s. Um, okay. And I was like, oh. And I, so I like click on that and realize yeah. that there's like this whole thing that these movies were made. And I mean, I understand what you're saying with the mainstream, and I don't really have an answer to your question either. But then there, you know, let's say a movie comes in from America and there are VHS tapes of it and it's considered not in the public interest. It's like banning a book at the library. Right, right. And so these people need to be the ones who make sure that they watch all the garbage to protect uh, the infantilize the, the public and yeah. think that they can't handle it and they think, as we see in this movie, that it's going to cause violence right. rather than the obvious. It simply reflects the violence that already exists and is among us. Right. And this is a phenomenon that I was familiar with originally because I remember the show The Young Ones, the British uh, sitcom. And they they did a lot of business about video nasties on that show. But um, so, yes, uh, she is a censor. She has the access to watch all these tapes She's a very buttoned down conservative type of a lady, Enid Baines. She, as most of the people who work there are, they're just kind of like dull office people and this is their job. And they don't, they're not really caricatured as like hyper puritanical. Some of some of them, they actually have debates about some of the content of the films. And so it's a kind of a realistic portrait of what that job would be like, I guess. And then. Uh, meanwhile, we, we learn a little bit about Enid that she has some family trauma. She has a, a sister who has gone missing when they were younger. She blames herself over these circumstances that are very kind of, uh, obscure. Uh, and then as she starts to go down the trail of these films of a specific filmmaker, and I don't remember the name, is it North Frederick North? I think is the name mm-hmm. of that director and his producer, Doug Smart played very memorably by Michael Smiley, who is mm-hmm. a British character actor that I recognize from a great many things. Uh, as she starts to watch these guys films, she basically feels like her reality is perhaps unraveling or she's perhaps getting clues to some things that have happened in her past. She thinks that perhaps she has identified the fate of her sister. And basically she follows this trail until she is caught up in the intrigue of the filmmaking actually on the set of a film and then events transpire. So here's what I like about the movie is the look. I like the the setup, the tone of it. I like the performances Uh, And I like the recreation of these videos and it feels authentic and I like the kind of questionable reality of it. I like the, the, the way that it kind of follows the madness of this kind of stuff as uh, you know, is it, is it affecting her or is it something that is truly like, is she just, is it getting in her head or is it something that's truly evil? Uh, I guess what I didn't love about the movie is I didn't feel like her characterization was deep enough where it just felt like she was, I don't know. I felt like it had one note 
And then I feel like it followed it into this crazy ending that may or may not be re- been real. Maybe I'm spoiled by, I just felt like the characterization in St. Maud, for example, yeah. of a similar story of a character that goes mad. I felt like that hit the buttons better than this one did. So I didn't, I didn't hate it. I liked it. I just wanted a little more out of her character. And I don't, I'm okay not knowing if the ending is real or not. I just felt like it maybe fast forwarded there too quickly and didn't give me enough of the journey on the way, but I'm happy to hear your. Well, I feel like this movie compared to Tomorrowland felt like it went by almost like a short. Mm -hmm. It was 84 minutes. By the way, Tomorrowland is the uh, fail failed Brad. Oh yeah. Sorry. Movie tomorrow. (laughs) Tomorrow war. War. Yeah. Uh, This one comes in at 84 minutes. It felt like 40. Mm -hmm. I, I, I felt like it was more like a dreamscape where we're in somebody's head more than in reality. I, I thought the beginning was a little bit slowish. I didn't really care about their conversations about the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but when she started to do her detective work and I feel started losing a grip on reality, that's where it got really interesting for me. And then I feel they went for it in that third act of we have no idea if this is really happening or not if this is a, a manifestation of her madness or if this is really happening, is this something planned for her by a, a very sick person <laughs> or, or not? I loved when she goes to the producer's door and he opens it and there's that huge poster of the face of the man she so fears as if he opened the door hmm. um, because he is like in the back of her memory. As Because I think that this movie could have tried to do too much and it didn't it it was mm-hmm. it was holding together very well her role as a censor and what those videos and you know meant in the UK at that time as well as her own trauma and how these movies that she's previewing are unlocking some of her memories and she has really a horrifying vision of this man in the deep background of of trying to figure out trying to piece together what happened to her sister i think they wisely don't take us there really from her vantage point we never really understand what she walked away from that day remembering, which I think is best. It's all just kind of trapped in, in old memory. Yeah. And then he's constantly there. He looms large that his face is larger than life behind that door. When the producer opens, it was just chilling. And then a horror movie begins to unfold um, beginning with that meeting at the producer's house mm-hmm. that she is now the the center and star of it. And it was similar to St. Maud in the end, wasn't it? Of, I mean, it was throughout, but especially at the end where it's kind of cutting back and forth between a real reality or mm-hmm. a real-ish reality and her false reality. Yeah. I love that. By the that. way, the, the scary man you're referring to is Beast Man, played by Guillaume Delaunay. Yes. And if you look at his IMDb, this is a guy, I think he probably has like, you know, mild gigantism or something, and he plays mm-hmm. a lot of these roles. So you look at his IMDb, he plays uh garpa ogre uh sacristane torpedo gigante tombstone beast man oh beast man (laughs) yeah but um anyway yeah uh definitely an interesting movie apparently it's a debut film and i think it's a good one i think that's real good speaks to talent and um it's a very interesting subject matter uh i guess it's just to my personal taste you know you'd fine-tune the knobs of like uh ambiguity and uh 
twisting reality. And th for whatever reason, something like St. Maud, I felt like for me was tonally perfect the whole way through. Whereas this one, I was up and down with it and I was always interested in it. It's very interesting, but um, yeah, I think that, I don't know. I would say that St. Maud is stronger overall and better crafted. I like that this was so brief. Mm -hmm. I like that this yeah. latched onto this kind of niche piece of pop history mm -hmm. and didn't make it about the pop history. It just applied it right. to this other story that they wanted to tell. I just thought that was really cool. And any movie that, that does that, that takes a period, a 20th century period thing and resists the urge to overdo it. Mm -hmm. Cause that's just what movies do now with the period and the recreation and just in, it, it, to not be indulgent shows a real restraint and choosing. We're going to use this as a setting and we're going to do just enough period. We're going to do just enough recreation to get you in. And then we're going to tell a story. We're not yeah. going to, it could have been, you know, over two hours and wasted a lot of time with uh, recreating specific things. And it thankfully does not do that. Right. I just uh, thought it was, yeah. yeah, it was well done. Yeah. Movies. I don't know. Um, well, we liked a couple of these pretty good and not the other ones so much. So that's kind of how it goes, right? That's how the movie yeah, cookie Zola, Zola first place. Sensor, yeah. I think we both agree. Yeah, it's a thumbs Se up. Second place. And no then sudden just move. After, yeah, I mean, that isn't even place. It's not even, what even is it? It's ether. No, I guess though. I mean, yeah, I guess the, you got two two movies you can watch that are worthwhile. Tomorrow War and No Sudden Move. I would say absolutely skip Tomorrow War. If you like Steven Soderbergh and interesting actors, maybe For somebody sure. could get something out of No Sudden Move. For sure. If, if you're a film buff, but uh, it just didn't come together for me. Okay, uh, well, Dan, those are movies. We did it. Like I said, I'm seeing this Bourdain thing. Uh, I, I've, I'm gonna skip Space Jam. I'm sorry, Dan, but I didn't even see the original. So there's a lot of talk about it. Yeah, not in a good way, but just no. I mean, I am, I am an animation dude. So if, since it's on HBO Max, I might just click around and watch the, the hand-drawn animated segments because that actually right. is pertinent to my interests. But uh, as a movie, no thanks. And I don't even. Yeah, I don't. I feel like there's some things. People are talking about whenever I open letterbox and see that front page and what my friends are into mm -hmm. my friends that I have no idea who they are. Um, I'm like, Oh yeah, I got like the fear street movies. Are those on Netflix? That's what people keep talking about. I don't know. And I, I no need to idea. catch up with Schmigadoon. Yes. That looks interesting. Pig, I, you know, yeah, pig. Uh, sort of interesting. People are talking about pig. People are talking about uh, Titan. Hmm. The one That's that got, it, got announced um, by accident. Oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah. Uh, Spike Lee announced it first instead of last. Mm. Little little translation uh, mix mm. up there about first, meaning like you got first prize. Yeah. And first, like first award of the night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know. Right. Did you see that uh, Bo Burnham, his special everybody was oh, talking about? I have about? interest in watching it just because everyone keeps talking about it. It's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really good. It's, yeah. He's talented. He's a remarkable person. All right. Uh, movies. Yeah, but there's no like, there's so, so there's lots of those little things and I'll, I'll probably watch a couple of those things we just listed, but there's not like a big thing where I'm like, oh, you know, uh, that thing comes out. We've been waiting for it. There's no real like right. buzz right now. So nothing like that. For sure. That's all right. Uh, okay. Well, thanks, Dan. 
Alrighty. check in again soon and see we'll what we see. And thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Today at VBS, we were um, the theme was being kind. The nice. theme verse, be kind to one another. You know, so we had nice. some scripture sure. backup for that, um, in case anybody resisted it. It's totally out of context, was, but okay. <laughs> be kind to one another. Um, we asked for some examples of how people could be kind to one another, mm-hmm. and uh, all all of the examples had uh, to do with selling people something. Oh no. You could sell them a glass of lemonade. <laughs> you could give them a coupon code. Ah, <laughs> oh, wow. kids. Mm-hmm. Kids today. <laughs>